Welcome back to The Bible is Art, where we explore the literary artistry of the Bible. And in this week, we're going to look at all the number stuff Matthew is doing in his genealogy in Matthew chapter 1. Genealogies might look boring, but every profession trades in particularities. Biology has cells, programmers have bits of code, and designers have colors and shapes. The particularities here and genealogies are people. People particularities, the best kind. And particularities make up the language like letters. Of course, you won't appreciate the fullness of, for instance, Goethe if you don't know German. So you have to become a practitioner. Understand what you're looking at when you're looking at genealogies. All of a genre of music sounds the same only when you haven't listened to much of it. All code looks the same until you know how to program. We're all very familiar with stories, so stories are immediately interesting. But if we were as familiar with genealogies as we are with stories, we would find them just as fascinating. E equals MC squared doesn't mean much to a child, but those five characters, five particularities were among the greatest intellectual feats of human history. Just five fascinating characters. So what are the particularities of this art, this genealogical art? Well, if you want to understand genealogies, as we've talked about in previous videos, there are two steps. First, you have to identify the pattern, and second, you need to identify when that pattern is broken. So first, the pattern. Matthew designs his genealogy into three sections, three periods of history. And it follows Jesus' family from Abraham to Jesus in those three parts. From Abraham to David, David to the exile, and from the exile to Jesus. Notice even when we're looking at the most general or broad pattern, this breaking the family into three parts, you see a break in the pattern. There are three people and one event. Abraham, David, the exile in Babylon, and Jesus. Which of these things is not like the other? Now, Matthew could have easily substituted the exile for Zedekiah, the king at the time of the exile, but he doesn't. Why? Matthew chose to do it this way so that it would be absolutely clear to us how Jesus relates to the exile. That is, Jesus ends the exile. But Matthew does more with his ordering of the material. He not only orders it chronologically, but also numerically. 
Notice at the end of the genealogy, everything is counted. And it's counted in three sets of 14 generations. Look in verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. Matthew does this to communicate two additional things about who Jesus is. First, this communicates that Jesus is the son of David. Now, Matthew has already said this in the first verse that we looked at in the previous video, but he wants to emphasize it because it's one of the most central identities, if not the central identity, of Jesus in Matthew's gospel. That is, he's the king in the kingly line. And more than that, he's the Messiah, the Christ, the last and climactic king of Israel. This is going to come into sharp contrast in the next chapter when we will be told that there is already a king in Israel, Herod. But you may be wondering what does 14s have to do with David? Well, in Hebrew and Greek, words could also have numbers. So, this is how it works. Each letter in the alphabet would correspond to a number. For instance, A would be 1, B would be 2, and so on and so forth. David's name in Hebrew has three letters. Dalet, Vav, Dalet. And if you add those up, it's 14. So the numerical value of David's name is 14. Now, if you're unfamiliar with this kind of thing, you may be either getting nervous or wondering if this is some sort of esoteric, strange thing. But there's something important you have to understand about numbers in the Bible. There is a lot of numerology in the Bible. The problem is, is that it's been corrupted by people who misuse and misidentify it. Most of the time in the Bible, the numerological things that are going on emphasize the things that are already going on on the surface of the text. They're not telling us the future, typically, or telling us what's going on in the Middle East. But just like here in Matthew, he has something that's already been told to us about David in the first verse, and that's emphasized numerically. Furthermore, in God's other book, Creation, we also see that it is structured numerically. We call it mathematics or applied mathematics. Mathematics is not just an abstract game, but it actually applies to the real world. And that's a sort of fascinating philosophy of science and philosophy of mathematics question. So it's not surprising that there are numerical features in the other book, the book of Scripture. Well, that's the first thing that Matthew was communicating with these numbers. But to understand the other thing, we have to add up 
those numbers. 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to exile, and 14 from exile to Jesus. 14 plus 14 plus 14 equals 42. So Matthew is measuring time between Abraham and Jesus. And he says that it's 42. Now there's different ways to measure time or the time between two events. We are most familiar with measuring time by years. So if we were to ask how far World War I is from World War II, we could say that it was 31 years apart. If, however, we wanted to measure the distance between two events in terms of its intellectual or moral distance, we could do that too. For example, What's the distance, the measurement between 1 AD and 1000 AD? You could describe it as a thousand years, measuring it in terms of time. But what if you wanted to describe it not in terms of chronology, but in terms of character? What it's like? Well, you might describe it as a decline and so call it the Dark Ages. That's just another way of measuring time. Perhaps you think that it was a progression. Then you might call it the Light Ages. But that measurement is not in terms of years or days, but in terms of intellectual or moral measuring, moral content. Those who interpret the Middle Ages negatively give it that name to denote intellectual regress. Matthew is not concerned about measuring the time or chronology between Abraham and Jesus, so he's not interested in the years, but in terms of its quality, its character. That is, what is that time like? And he communicates that through the symbolic use of numbers. You see, God structured the Israelite calendar symbolically. And it was structured alternating between segments of work and rest. And the rest always happens on the sevens. I know that sounds confusing. Let me show you how it works, because it's actually fairly simple. In a week, there are six days of work, and on the seventh day, there's rest. There's also six months, and in the seventh month, there's a bunch of festivals, four festivals, times where you rest from your work. And every seventh year, there is a rest from your work for an entire year. And then you have seven cycles of seven years. In the 49th year, there's also rest. So you have all these escalating patterns of seven that culminate in the largest one in the 49th year. But that's actually not the biggest one. You see... All of those cycles of sevens are pictures of the grand pattern, the main seven sequence. 
All of human history is work. And when God returns, he will bring the seventh period of rest. The prophets of the Old Testament tell us that the final seventh rest, the last one, will finish human history. So all of human history is work, and then at some point, God will come back and bring us that last seventh rest. And all of those smaller sequences of work and then rest are training the human soul into this grand pattern. So Matthew has counted six sevens up to Jesus, 42. So Jesus is starting the last seven to get us to 49, seven sevens. Jesus' life and work will be the last seven that will culminate in rest. And by measuring the time from Abraham to Jesus in this way, Matthew is saying that we are right at the end. Remember what Jesus' main message will be. The kingdom is near. That is, the climactic rest is almost here and when we read the gospel, is actually here in Jesus' life. Jesus will finish God's work and bring in rest. So far from being a boring list, this genealogy shows us that we are at the end, the resolution of history, in the most elegant way. Jesus ends the exile history's laborious work bringing us to the final Sabbath rest. Thank you so much for watching the video this week. I really do appreciate it. Um, uh, we have a few more uh, videos on genealogies, so I, I hope you love them as much as I do. Um, feel free to leave any comments if you would like to support the channel. That would be a lovely thing. Um, you can do that on Patreon, patreon.com slash thebibleisart. Um, uh, you can email me uh, at uh, thisdivineart at gmail, and uh, I will see you in the next video. Thank you.